The following is a podcast from St. George's Episcopal Church in Arlington, Virginia. We invite you to support the ministries of St. George's Church through a one-time or reoccurring donation. To give, visit our webpage, www.stgeorgeschurch.org. The word saint is spelled in full. St. George's is a vibrant and inclusive community that is committed to loving God, serving others, and changing the world. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Six days after Peter had acknowledged Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about this vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of God, the one who made us, loves us, and keeps us. Amen. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white. Today is the last Sunday after the Epiphany, the last Sunday of the Epiphany season. And throughout this season, we have heard gospel stories that are meant to convey the paradox of Jesus' identity, that he was both fully human and fully divine. This is the central tenet of Christian belief, and yet it is the hardest for us as well-educated 21st century Christians to embrace. How is it that Jesus could be both? a human being just like you and me, and divine, embodying God's essence. And that is exactly the paradox that today's gospel is inviting us to wrestle with. 
Jesus takes his closest disciples up a mountain, and there the gospel tells us Peter, James, and John have a vision. They see Jesus, their rabbi, their teacher, their friend, the one they eat and drink and generally hang out with. They see him suddenly glowing with radiant divine energy and light. This energy is like a tidal wave, and they are knocked down in fear and trembling when they hear a heavenly voice tell them, either within their hearts or audibly, the gospel doesn't say, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Peter and James and John are suddenly catapulted into a heightened state of consciousness, a forced epiphany, so to speak, and they know beyond a shadow of a doubt in that moment who Jesus is, and he radiates the power and the very essence of God. And as suddenly as this unusual happening begins, it ends. It's over in a moment. And Jesus tells them to say nothing about it until after his resurrection and takes them back down the mountain to continue their life together of preaching, teaching, and healing the multitudes that come to them. Why would Jesus tell them not to tell anyone about their experience? This is a mystery that has really captivated people throughout the ages. And no one knows the answer, of course, fully. But I always wonder if Jesus didn't want them to have this very particular experience with him so that it would guide them and they could come back to it as a light within themselves during the dark days to come so that they would have hope, knowing that they wouldn't fully understand it until much later when they were looking back after his death and resurrection, when they were looking at his whole life that they had lived together with him and remembering all that he had told them about the meaning of his life. This passage comes right after Jesus has been telling them that they all have to go to Jerusalem and that there he will face the power of the religious establishment and the brutality of the Roman Empire. He tells them that he will be handed over, that he will suffer and die and that they will suffer because of their association with them. Peter, James, and John are the same three disciples who are with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he is arrested. They spend a dark night with him as he awaits what is to come. I am sure they had a hard time trusting that vision on the mountaintop that day, that very special vision that God had given them and just a short time later, I'm sure it was really especially hard to trust that vision, that Jesus truly was shot through with God's glory as they saw him being led away to be tried, beaten, shamed, and crucified. And therein lies the heart of the transfiguration story. Jesus's divine glory is inseparable from his embrace of the human condition. He lived, he laughed and drank and ate, and he suffered just like each one of us, just like every human being throughout the ages. And yet, and yet, he embodied 
God's love, God's joy, God's peace and power perfectly. He fully embraced the human experience and made us realize that our life too can be shot through with God's glory, however imperfectly. This is such an important thing for us to remember today when we are all in our culture right now so gripped by fear and anxiety about the things going on in our civic life. It is so important, absolutely essential, now more than ever, for us to remember that the very center of our life and the unifying principle around which we organize everything is Jesus Christ, that he is the light of the world and that he will guide us as people of faith during these dark times. We must never forget that. We look at the world as Christians exactly as it is. We see it and all of its imperfection without any illusion. And yet, we look at that imperfection with hopeful eyes, with hearts of hope, praying and working for justice and peace, just as Jesus did. We do that with his guidance. Immediately before the transfiguration story today, Jesus told his disciples that if they wanted to be his follower, if they truly wanted to follow him, that they had to pick up their cross to do that. And following Jesus means patterning our life after him. And patterning our life after him means committing ourselves to prayer and service every day in his name. Prayer and service. Today we get a glimpse of glory that will sustain us as we walk with Christ through Lent, that penitential season that prepares us for the joy of Easter. Today is the last day of alleluias until we get them back on Easter. This Wednesday, just three days from now, is Ash Wednesday, the first of the 40 days of Lent. And it's really important that all of us come to church this Wednesday. We have three opportunities here at St. George's, 7 a.m., noon, and 7.30 p.m. And if we can't come here, Go somewhere, go somewhere to church on Ash Wednesday as a mark of your intention about being very faithful to Christ and the walk with him this Lent. It's really important more than ever that we do that as we're marked with the ashes that are a sign of our mortality and our complete and utter dependence upon God for our every breath. Lent is a time of self-reflection, of taking stock of our lives, and of deepened prayer for ourselves and for our world that so desperately needs it. Our presiding bishop, Michael Curry, has encouraged the entire Episcopal Church to commit ourselves very intentionally for these 40 days to pray for the state of our country. The Episcopal Church is very committed to an active ministry of advocating for social justice, and that is vitally, essentially important. 
but we must never ever lose sight of the fact of how important prayer is in our lives on Sundays and on each and every day of our lives. Our country needs our prayer. We are in a very divided place. Marginalized people are living in abject terror. Institutions are being attacked. The standards of human decency are plummeting and dark forces are very much at work. Courage is in short supply. Justice is being eroded and anxiety is all around us. So we, as people of faith, we as followers of Jesus Christ, are called to embrace a holy Lent and to do what our presiding bishop is strongly encouraging us to do, to recommit to our spiritual life and to pray for our country every day with hearts and minds of hope. This is the prayer for our country from our Book of Common Prayer that he's inviting us to pray each day. So let us pray. Almighty God, we humbly pray that we may always prove ourselves a people mindful of your favor and glad to do your will. Bless our land with honorable industry, sound learning, and pure manners. Save us from violence, discord, and confusion, from pride and arrogance, and from every evil way. Defend our liberties and fashion into one united people the multitudes brought hither out of many kindreds and tongues. Endue with the spirit of wisdom those to whom in your name we entrust the authority of government, that there may be justice and peace at home, and through obedience to your law we may show forth your praise among the nations of the earth. In the time of prosperity, fill our hearts with thankfulness, and in the day of trouble, suffer not our trust in you to fail. All which we ask through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. This is very old school language, and yet it has a deep and contemporary resonance with us today, considering the place that we're in in our country. I am committing to praying this prayer every day during Lent, and I hope you will join me to stop whatever we are doing at noon every day, beginning on Ash Wednesday through the 40 days, ending on Holy Saturday, the day before Easter Day. So from this Ash Wednesday through Holy Saturday to pray this prayer, 40 days of prayer for our country. We'll put this prayer out in a parish email, and if you want a special challenge today, you can look for it in your book of common prayer after the service. What does prayer do to change the world, you may ask? Why should we bother to pray? Prayer changes the world by changing us. Prayer changes the world by changing us. It helps us to stay calm and centered and focused. It helps to relieve fear and anxiety. 
Prayer keeps us hopeful and it gives us the strength we need to continue to work for justice and peace every day in ways large and small. If we spend time in prayer and in silence with God every day, we will be graced with transfiguration moments and they will sustain us as we go back down the mountain with Jesus and the other disciples to continue his ministry in the world. Prayer really does change the world by changing us, by making us radiate with more of God's love, by energizing us with God's light and power and filling us with purpose and profound hopefulness. <laughs>